Hello and welcome to the Loose Forward podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Callum. We're here at last. At last. Much talk. Yeah, a lot of ideas and a lot of talk and we're finally here. Yeah, so hopefully people will uh, be with us, give us a listen and stay with us and get involved. Um, We're all about Rugby League, M62 and beyond. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting, isn't it? Um, it's, I, I felt all right till I press record. <laughs> Especially this week, um, Super League is back. Yes, uh, we've, we're going to be previewing some of the games uh, later on in the program. We've also got ten signings that we think that people uh, need to look at, and we've got the uh, NRL review and. Uh, something that the, the uh, we've had a lot of feedback on that people are looking forward to, which is Callum's red corner. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because usually nobody listens to me when I rant. So now people haven't got a choice. No, no. So I think I know it's our very first show and we're really excited, but unfortunately, we think we need to pay tribute and start with some. Sad news from Rugby League yesterday, which was the the death of uh, Bradford Northern and Dewsbury stalwart Jeff Grayson. Um, he was seventy two, and I know I remember him more from his Bradford Northern days in the eighties and, and travelling over to Odsall. And he was always a mainstay of the team. He was one of those props that always seemed to be around, a little bit like Piggy Fletcher and. Jim Mills and people like that. Um, but he played 776 career games, which puts him fourth on the all-time list and a career spanning over a quarter of a century. And he actually played, I know it's, it's probably before your time, this Callum, for Jeff Gratian, but he actually played until he was 45. And he actually, towards the end of his career, lined up against his son, Paul. Really, and that's how that's how long he played. So, sad news coming out. Um, obviously, condolences and thoughts to Jeff's family and his former clubs. Um, he was uh, uh, in the nineteen seventy three uh, championship team for Dewsbury and had notable success around the turn of the late seventies and early eighties with uh, Bradford Northern winning first division. Uh, titles there and a, and a John Player trophy as it was known then so um, rest in peace Jeff Grayson yes thoughts with his family this difficult time ok we'll move on to our NRL review um, I'm going to let you start us off Callum anywhere you want to um, well I I don't think there's a, a better place to start than with the, the opening game of the round uh, with the Eels and the Storm. Um, I thought that was one of the... I seem to say it every week when I watch the NARL, but I really did think that was one of the best games that I've seen in a long, long time. Um, in Northern England weather as well. It was, yeah. Made it made it interesting, didn't it? It was, it was lashing down. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a it was a cracking game. It had um, it had everything. I, I mean, I don't know how much the weather played into it because I know there was a couple of times where the storm put a lot of pressure. I thought on the Eels' defensive line, and there was a couple of times where Brandon Smith at nine threw it to Munster. The ones that I can remember threw it to Munster, and he juggled it. I think one he trapped with his foot. And things like that. So you, I was sort of wondering if the weather was better, would the storm have got on top with all that pressure that they've mounted well, on la- the eels? Well, last week you were raving about Cameron Munster, weren't you, last week against the uh, Bunnies? Yeah, I thought it was incredible. Um, this week didn't have the same effect, and I wonder if that was due to the weather as well. Maybe, but at the same time, you know, it's the same for the eels as well, isn't it? And some of the... the the try saving tackles, especially there was a couple from Clint Gutherson. One was early on, and there was one later on as well, where he just managed to get under. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was it was a great game, and you know, it exciting end as well. Um, with Sebos went over, um, and then the the Storm 
maybe had a chance to get it back, but but didn't. Um, I thought it was a bit of a brain fart from Ireland. But anyway, yeah, that finished 16-12 in the end to the Eels. It, I thought it had everything. Good to see ex-Saints coach Justin Holbrook getting off the mark as a head coach in the NRL in the Queensland derby. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the Titans looked miles. They looked like a different team this week than they, they did in their opening game against the Warriors. There was a lot of fuss last week against the Warriors and they were really, really disappointing in that game. And you thought, oh, is this typical Titans again where they might be have a few expectations, but in actual fact, they're going to finish about 14th. Uh, but this week, I think they really turned it around and looked, looked really classy, I thought. Yeah, I think if they played like that most weeks, they, they, would, they would beat quite a lot of sides, I think. Um they looked very attacking, didn't they? But with, we saw Holbrook at St. Helens, so if he's took the same ethos, if you like, over there, you, you, we sort of know what to expect. Yeah. Um, Fafita had a big game. David Fafita in this game. Yeah, he former was like Bronco. A, yeah, he was like a, a wrecking ball against his, his former club. Yeah, especially for that second try. Absolutely. Yeah, he went over twice. And really, the game was over at half-time, really, at 22-4, I thought, wasn't it? And then... Broncos had a little bit of a comeback, but the damage was already done in that first 40. Yeah, the 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 last 10, 15 minutes, so with the first half, really sealed it for the Titans. The the really, you know, they got a few late points and really sealed it there, like you say. Um, yeah. one, of the, one of the best games, I thought, well, there was a couple of that stood out for me. One was the, the Cowboys and the Dragons, which was pretty much end-to-end, and the, the Dragons... Um, they were they were they got a drop goal on half time where um he was just over the forty. We nearly saw the first two point drop goal. Right. And um and then they were always seven in front and the the, uh, the cowboys kept coming back and the dragons pinched it. And I thought that that was good. I mean I, I suspect in the end of the day it will be two lower table sides. Uh but it was a really entertaining game and, and just, um really exceeded my expectations anyway. And then the other one was a really interesting one, which was the Sharks and the Raiders. Mm. And um, again, you know, George Williams really standing up strong in this game for the Raiders. Uh, but if the Sharks had, had a goal kicker or he's missed three from four, then I think the, the Sharks would have got the spoils as it did, the lack of a goal kicker. And I suspect there's several Super League teams that have said that over the years. Yeah. Uh, has cost them uh, has cost them dearly. Mm. So... What about uh, what about Manly and Souths? Um, yeah, I, I I saw this one. Um, I thought again it was another good match. I looking at, I expected big things from Souths this year with the signings that they've made and um, re-signing Latrell Mitchell sorting his contract out. I expected big things. I think there was a lot of hype about them in general. Um, Manly, after watching them last week, didn't really impress me much, but. They, they did come out a bit better this week. Um, Cody Walker's an excellent ball player. He's involved in everything that Souths do. I think if if he doesn't set it up, it either comes off a Walker pass or the pass after the, a Walker pass a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, Manly, to me, look like they're going to struggle. Yeah, and to me. Um, I know that... You in the past have not been quite complimentary about Daily Cherry Evans. No, no. Obviously, I don't watch the NRO religiously like I do Super League, but I just—he just underwhelms me every time I've seen him, and I just don't really understand how he's on so much money over there. He's like the highest-paid player in the NRL, and I just don't really. See it. It strikes me as one of those things where, where you see scrum halves in Australia, and they seem to be at the top of the game. Luke Walsh was a good example when he came to St Helens a few mm. years ago. That for that last half a season in the NRL, he was excellent, but then he was seen to be, if you like, for want of a better phrase, clogging up the system. But then, but DCE seems to be, I don't know, quite untouchable really in that in that role at Manly. Yeah, and. I wouldn't really. The only other people that get away with it is like your Cameron Smiths, your Thurston's, your Lockyers, and I wouldn't put him anywhere near that category, personally. 
No, um, he's always seemed to have been behind somebody at representative level as well. Yeah, whether that be Thurston, whether that be Cronk, um, he's always seemed to be a, a backup, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Even I think state of origin, but obviously you know when you look at the competition that he had in front of him, it's no wonder. But you know maybe now he's like the main man, so to speak, um, representatively. Maybe we'll see a bit more out of him, or maybe I'll see a bit more from him. One of the, yeah, I mean, one of the best things about that game was a proper old-fashioned bit of biff. Ten seconds from the end. Yeah, yeah, I think it was uh, Gagai and Foran had a bit of a bit of handbags, I think, um, at, at the play of the ball, and then everybody seemed to jump in, and then there was actually a few few fists thrown, I think, and I think it was Jaden Sewer who, who ended up going. Uh, to the bin for for striking. I know you've done a bit of a refereeing. You've done some refereeing in the past, and that must be a referee's worst nightmare to have to deal with that with one second left on the clock when he when he stops it. Yeah, it's just. I think I haven't had it quite so close to the end, but whenever it goes off, you just think, "Oh, come on, let's get on with it." What you're doing, but it's. I imagine it's different for them because I was doing like. Leyland under 16s or summer and I was taller than some of them so it was all right <laughs> and then and then a Simbi with one second left and you think is he even going to get to the showers before the rest of the team come in yeah the, you know, thing for you're going to get a Simbind and miss the rest of the game you know do it eight or nine minutes from the end where you can you can have the showers to yourself yeah for me as well if it was near the end if I was doing the the amateur stuff I wouldn't have bothered because you have to do all the paperwork and stuff after <laughs> and send it off I'm like not doing that <laughs> And then, just to wrap up the NRL, Bulldogs look like they're in for a long season. Mm. 28-0 Penrith. Interesting stat uh, from Bobby, our research assistant, um, that Penrith are the first team to go uh, the first two games of the NRL season uh, without conceding a point. Mm. Just carried on where they've left off then, really, haven't they? Yeah. I know they fell short, but... Yeah, and they, they looked really impressive, but I'm not quite sure how impressive they looked and how bad the Bulldogs looked, to be honest. Yeah. Some... And you could say the same for the remaining game, which was uh, the Sydney Roosters 40, the Tigers 6. Yeah, walloping, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and again, it's just, they looked to be, to me, they looked to be more teams than normal this year in the NRL, where there's a split yeah. Whereas it's not quite as evenly contested as it normally is. And I think there's a few teams in there now that are looking not not great. You know, you could go down the list, the Broncos, the Sea Eagles, the Bulldogs, probably both the Cowboys and the Dragons and the Tigers. And virtually you've got half a league there that you're thinking, oh, actually I'm not, not that impressed. I know we're only two games in. But not that impressed. Yeah, I agree. I think there's probably the first time in a long time where you think there's probably three teams that you think have a chance of winning it. If we've got any uh, NRL buffs out there or your team, you disagree, get in touch with us and uh, we'll um, we'll gladly speak to you about your team's progress or lack of it during the season. Definitely. Definitely. Um, right. Super League time, I reckon. So, we've been having a a chat during the week, haven't we? And we sort of went through the list of signings that we did and we've we've compiled a list, haven't we, about 10 signings to keep an eye out for this season. Yeah, this isn't necessarily big signings or the best signings or the biggest names. This is just what we think might make a difference to a team that they've signed. Yeah. So... They're in no particular order. Um, we didn't put a we didn't put a ten to one list together, but uh, we've just done it per club. And I'm going to start off if that's okay. I'm going to start off with um, Salford to Castleford, and Castleford's signing Nile Evels at fullback. Yes, I think. I mean, Nile Evels has been an absolute mainstay of that Salford team for the for the past half dozen years, and I think he's really really underrated. I think he gets he gets a lot of tries. He's quick from the back. He beats his first man. He's confident defensively, good under the high ball. And I think 
for Castleford, where they've had a bit of a change of that over the last couple of years, and they had problems with Zach Hardacre, and then they've had Peter Metautier that's come in, who, who can play as more of a utility back, yeah. and I think that might be the plan for this year. But I think at, at 27, Nile Evans is he's at the peak of his is at the peak of his game. They've got a they've got a really experienced player and a leader on the pitch for Castleford, and I think that could be could prove to be one of the most astute signings of the season. So I think well done there to um, to Dabble Powell and Castleford Tigers there. Yeah, they've got um, quite a lot of options in and around that position, haven't they? Because they've still got Gareth O'Brien as well, so it'd be interesting to see where they all play. But for me, I think Evolds is the, the best out yeah. of the, the names that have been yeah. thrown up that are at the club. So Okay, number two's uh, not quite one signing, is it, Callum? No, it's... It's it's more of a trio of signings um, in the Huddersfield back row where they've signed Josh Jones, Joe Greenwood, and Jack Ashworth. Um, who I've always really liked Josh Jones and Joe Greenwood, um, and I think it could be a real good move for Jack Ashworth as well because I thought he was going a little bit a little bit stale at Saints, um, but. I think he's got real potential. Um, well, all of them are, are Saints Academy graduates, aren't they? Yeah, this doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you played junior rugby with both Josh Jones and Joe Greenwood, does it? No, because I didn't like Josh Jones when I played uh, with him at the Academy. So, <laughs> no, he's, he's he's turned into a good player. And, um, and and Joe, as well, is a real handful. He's, he runs good lines and... He's got a, a great offload game, um, whereas Josh Jones seems to have bulked up a bit because he started off as a centre, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. He but did. he's turned into a real, real good back rower. One thing that perplexes me a little bit about Joe Greenwood is that um, he was at Saints and looked to have a really, really big future. Then he went to the Titans in exchange for Zeb Taylor, and you could argue that St Helens got the the better end of that deal over the, where it's proved to be over the last couple of years. Yeah. Comes back, goes to Wigan, has a couple of injuries. Um, then he gets sent out on loan to Leeds, but doesn't actually play a game for them. Comes back to Wigan and now is released at Huddersfield. And is he guilty of being a player that still at, what, 26, 27, 28? Still... He's regarded as a young player with potential, but actually now he's coming into the, um, you know, the actual end of summer of his career. And does he have a lot of rebuilding to do and a lot of something to prove this year at Huddersfield? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he has a lot to prove this year. You're right, though. It is a strange one because, especially when the, the Leeds situation when he was on loan at Leeds and. And, uh, but he was obviously still a Wigan player. Both clubs were sort of saying how good he was and how they wanted to keep him and things like that, um, especially from the Leeds side, because you were like, well, Wigan are obviously letting him go, but he obviously weren't, you didn't like him enough to, to try and bring him in at Leeds permanently. It was a funny one, really, but I think a fresh start for him under a new coach and maybe a new era for Huddersfield could be a real good move for him. But like you say, he's, he's entering his, his prime now. He's not this young up-and-comer, is he, anymore? He needs to get solid minutes under his belt. No, that's right. Um, somebody else who isn't a newcomer, if you like, uh, to the game is Zane Tetivano, that's, yes. um, that's gone from the Panthers to Leeds. Yes. Um, again... No nonsense prop. Yeah. Um, interesting. I always think these work permit things are interesting because um, he was convicted of a domestic violence charge back in 2014. Um, and at the time, his lawyer said uh, he had no intention of going back to the NRL because of the toxic environment that it produces for him. And then in seven in, in 2017... Um, then he, he he turns up again. So Leeds, um, I'm not saying it's a gamble. People change, um, but he's got 
I think he's got a lot to he's got a lot to prove. I think at Leeds Rhinos this year. Definitely, I think most Australians that come over have to, in my eyes, because how many times have we seen Aussies come over and you think, well, they just there for a, for an holiday or they're here for the money and. But especially when they have a background like that and there's people murmuring about it, mm. and I think even more so. Particularly, I think, sometimes with forwards as well, because the NRL beats them up. Yeah, because they, they, they tend to come over past a certain age, don't they? And I think there'll be a, there'll be a few people that uh, you can point to for that. And I think, you know, Roy Asatazi was certainly one for Warrington. Yeah. Um, so, talk to me then about... Hull signing from the West Tigers. Yeah, Hull's one and only signing um, in Josh Reynolds, who I've always really liked. I've always really liked watching him. Um, you know, he's he's got, I think he's got 160 NRL games under his belt, most of them for, for Canterbury. Um, he, he's represented New South Wales. I think he's he's played for Australia and the, the Prime Minister's Eleven, uh, thirteen. Sorry, um, real good kicking game, real leader, um, and I think maybe partnered up again uh, with uh, Mark Sneed. It, it could pay off. I'm, um, I'm a bit. I was very surprised though when I read it that it was Hull's only signing, but I think it's a real good signing. Do you think he'll have that sort of impact that Albert Kelly had? in his first year at Hull, but they're hoping to keep him fitter and play more games than Albert Kelly did eventually. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, I don't think he's he's got the same running game as Albert Kelly, who was a bit of a pace monster, wasn't he? But mm. I think, I think he's, he's a real leader. And, um, you know, like I say, with, to go with his kicking game and he's... he's his directions all over the pitch. He'll lead them about. So, being in a really, really interesting halfback combination. That yeah, it could it could be one of, if not the best in the league. Yeah, if they gel. Okay, my next one, number five. I'm going to go for something that, that's really recent that was only announced last night as a late addition, and that's Nathan Peets from the Titans to Lee. That's a good signing. I think that's a tremendous signing. He is a proper player. Um, again, somebody that, that's had a lot of NRL experience, you know, similar to Reynolds, 160 games. Um, but he's also played. Uh, he's also played for the um, uh, for the Indigenous representative team, and also played Origin. Yeah, he didn't play an awful lot of games last year, um, and he's been released, but. He's a real live wire around the rook. He can jump out. He, he support. I think. I think this is an absolutely tremendous signing for Lee Centurions. I do. It's a big, big coup for them. And like you say, to me, it was weird that the Titans had let him go. And not only that, the Titans had let him go, that nobody else had picked him up because I do think he's a real player. Yeah, and with respect to Lee, that um, even in Super League, perhaps bigger clubs than Lee might have might have took a chance on him as a. Uh, as their starting hooker. I think he'd walk into pretty much any team in Super League. Okay. Um, this one, again, we're going to group these together, but you're going to concentrate on one player, aren't you, for Salford this time? Yeah, and uh, Morgan Escaray for Salford, who I think is a real decent replacement for Nile Levels leaving. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, big shoes to fill. Like you say, you know, I think, Evelds had gone under the radar for a lot of years at, at, at Salford. I think it's only really the last couple of years that people started to notice him. But like you say, big big shoes to fill. But Escaray is a, a real handy player. There's no doubt about that. You saw what he did at, at Catalans. Obviously, his, his, his time at, at Wigan hasn't probably gone to plan with them signing Hardacre. And then not only signing Hardacre, but signing French as well. Um, but I think he's got a point to prove, and I think when you throw in the likes of Joe Burgess, um, Elijah Taylor, and uh, Harvey Levet as well at Salford, I think there's some real, real good signings there. Salford, to me, 
along with Huddersfield, seem to have recruited really strongly, like pre-season. I'm surprised that Warrington let Harvey Levet go, to be honest. I was as well, because every time I've seen him, he's impressed me. Um, and he impressed me when he was on loan at Hull KR. And I'm, you know, maybe they did try to keep him, but I, I'm surprised he hasn't ended up staying at Hull KR. But it's a real signing for Salford, that. Well, I know... Um, I know that our next player, and we, you know Harvey Levet. I know he's one of your favourite gingers, isn't he? Yeah. But this one, that this guy is filling the boots of, has got an unbelievable job to fill the boots of both James Graham and Luke Thompson. Yeah, um, Ignatius Parzi. Now Saints have signed a couple of players. Over the over the preseason, but we're going to concentrate on Parsi for a moment, aren't we? Yeah, I think when I think of you, your Pacific Islanders, <laughs> um, and your props, you want them to be hard running and you want them to be hard as nails, don't you? And he's saying all the right things as well for me. I think there was a quote about him saying something along the lines of, "If you run at me, be prepared to be hurt," or something like that. So when you're saying things like that, you've got to live up to it, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, but they do tend to be tough guys, the Pacific Islanders, don't they? Samoans, yeah. Tongans, etc., Cook Islanders. Yeah, I mean, if you're a bit of a soft Tongan, it's a bit like wearing bright yellow boots and being rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> you've, you've got to be good to get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think Parsi will bring then? I think he will bring... Quite a lot, really. I think he's quite similar to James Graham in a lot of ways um, because I think he can be a real ball handler as well. You see it all the time where they would, where, where Jammer would take the ball to the line and then he would turn and he would pass it. And I think he can do a lot of that. And I think if you throw in an offload game and strong carries as well, you're, you're looking at a potential world beater. Okay. But we'll have, obviously we'll have to see how, how, how he gets on, but I'm I'm really excited to, to watch Parsi. Number eight is, well, undoubtedly the biggest name that's come to Super League this pre-season. And that's the one and only Greg Inglis. Yeah, massive signing for, for Warrington and Super and League. And Super League. Again, Sometimes I'm a bit flummoxed by it in the fact that he was medically retired. Mm. Not quite sure how that one works. Um, and whether or not Warrington will get the real money's worth out of him in terms of fitness, uh, whether or not, well, there's no doubt he, he won't have lost skill. It's whether he's lost the pace and whether he can still play full-time rugby league, if you like. Yeah, I mean, there was questions when he was played in the NRL if he still had the pace that he used to have. I think he did. Um, there was a, a, an origin match where did he intercept it and just went the length of the field and left everybody. Yeah. I think the try ended up being cancelled cancelled out anyway. It did, yeah. It but did. he left everybody for, for pace. I don't think he'd be doing that now. No, but if there was already questions about the pace being gone and then being out for two or three years then there is serious questions about it. Well, I mean, he's, I mean, it sounds like he's already out this week in the first game anyway. Yeah. So, but where are Warrington going to play him? Um, that's a good question. And the honest answer is I'm not quite sure because they, we didn't even see him appear in Chris Hill's testimonial match. No. Um, I think he'll probably play centre. Um, with Ratchford at fullback and Austin and Widdop at six and seven, and I think Toby King will be the opposite centre. Okay, but it'd be really interesting to see, and I think you know, especially for like for younger fans out there to be able to see such a legend of the game. It was a little bit while like when Warrington brought Andrew Johns over, for example. You know, you you should. Everybody should take the chance to go and see these players while they can. Yeah, the generational players, aren't they? Yeah, they, they don't 
come round very often. So I think you have to go and see them while you can. Yeah. Number nine, the penultimate sign-in that we're going to talk about is uh, from the St. George Dragons to Hull KR. Yeah, Corbin Sims. I'm quite excited for, for that. I, I think he's a real good player um, and I think he was doing well in the NRL too. Um, I think he's he's only 29, which is quite a good age really when you consider what usually comes from the NRL. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how close to 30 he is, but he's still, you would think he's still got, you know, three, four years maybe yeah. in him. Um, I think he's played 140-odd NRL games, played for Fiji nine times. I think it's a real solid signing for what Hull KR need, especially after losing like, uh, Robbie Mulhern to Warrington. So yeah. I, I think that's a real good signing. Yeah. And the last ones that we're going to talk about is, um, we're going to talk about two signings. One, I think, possibly is the most important signing that any club has made. And that's the return of John Bateman to Wigan. Um, And I I think that the whole of the uh, Wigan club will be hoping that he can fill the massive shoes left by the retirement of Sean O'Loughlin. A different player, but brings energy, brings pace, brings strength, uh, brings a bit of enforcement into the pack as well, I would have thought. Yeah, he's quite relentless, isn't he? Yeah, and I think that could be a really, really key signing uh, for Wigan. Yeah. Um, and the other one, Jai Field. I must admit, I don't know much about him. Uh, he's come from the Eels. Um, he's only 23, but only played 17 games, and you wonder in the NRL, and you wonder whether or not it's a bit of a gamble in the fact that is he one of the is he the next Jackson Hastings, perhaps? Yeah, perhaps. I, like I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know a, a massive amount about him. I know that Wigan fans were very excited to to have uh, completed that signing. Um, he is a bit of a speed freak by all accounts, um, but like you say, not that much NRL experience. Um, where he's going to play again he's one of these utility backs I think so yeah I mean they we're hoping that he'd be more Jackson Hastings than um, Mark Herbert do you remember him that played for Bradford that Mark Herbert I do he was he, terrible he was terrible wasn't he yeah, real bad side he was terrible <laughs> do you remember we were sat that, that game um, I think it was at Widnes we were watching a game at Widnes and the, the Bradford fans in front were really giving him some stick, weren't they? Yeah. And we didn't know it, but we were sat with the players' wives, weren't we, at the time, in the row behind him. And that, the woman tapped him on the shoulder, didn't she? And there was two guys and went, do you mind? That's my husband you're talking about. <laughs> the guy's <laughs> reply was better. One of, one of the guys went, oh, I'm sorry. And then the other one went, I don't care. He is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite moments. A match as a classic. So yeah, um, that was uh, yeah. So, but but they'll be hoping that he was more um, uh, that he was more him. Um, what was the other guy that played for Huddersfield as well? The, was it last year? Oh, Matt F- Frawley. Frawley. He was almost as bad, wasn't he? He was a shocking player. So, um, yeah. So hopefully, um, hopefully, as far as Wigan are concerned, then Jai Field uh, will. Um, uh, will be more Jackson Hastings-like. Yeah, definitely. Well, that wraps up our, our 10 to look at. No doubt we'll revisit them during the season um, and see see how they've gone on and see if we've picked some real duds or uh, uh, some gems, shall we say. Yeah, it'd so, be uh, interesting to see how they all yeah. get on. But as we've said, Super League is back. Yes, round one returns this week. Um, I can't wait. I've I've been I mean I I don't want to sit about and watch football it's rubbish so unfortunately we won't be able to go to any grounds any of us this week no but at least especially with the first round all the games are on Sky um, all being played at Headingley aren't they so at least we can get a rugby league fix yeah 
And we kick off with the champions. Yeah, playing Salford. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Salford go, you know, with the, the signings that they've made. Like, you know, we went through some before with Escaray, Burgess, uh, Taylor and Levette and so on. So, um, yeah, I, I oh, and uh, of course, Richard Marshall is in, in charge now. Yeah, and uh, assistant coach, um, two grand finals on the trot, two grand final wins. Yeah. One to Justin Holbrook and one to Christian Wolf. Um, so you would, it's, I think, I always think it's quite romantically, if you like, I always think it's great to see somebody who's been in that position given the chance of a head coach's job. Yeah, and he did, he did a good job at Halifax as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it could be a, a, a real good match. I think Salford looked good. Saints looked good. I think that Saints might just have a bit too much for Salford, though, this this time round. Looking at last year, are Saints stronger or weaker or just the same as last year? Uh, I would say stronger because they've replaced the back row, which I thought was a bit of a problem for them. But having said that, we saw the blossoming of James Bentley, who I can't get enough of, really. I think he's he reminds me of Bateman. Yeah, he does. He can't be far away from uh, from England on us. He, 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 looks, he must be pushing for uh, a World Cup place. I agree. Um, but yeah, in regards to Saints, I think you know they've brought in Joel Thompson as well from Manly, who is a, a good player, um, another strong second rower. Are we saying Salford are stronger as well? Yeah, I think Salford. One of their big misses could be the coach. Yeah, yeah, huge. We, what what he did over the last two three years, you know, we got him to Grand Final, Challenge Cup Final. Yeah. He's he could be. We'll come on to Ian Watson when we preview the Huddersfield game. But, um, but Salford, are you saying in, in the in the main are stronger than last year? I think so with the the signings that okay. they've they've brought in. Okay, prediction for this week then. Ooh, what do we want? Points by or actual scoreline? No, or? points by. Points by. I reckon Saints will win by sixteen. Okay, and I'll go Saints by 12. Okay, Lee versus Wigan. Now, Wigan have, have already got... Um, already noises coming out of a few injury problems, and Lee uh, had a really, really good performance against Saints in Tommy Makinson's testimonial. Yeah, they didn't quite follow it up against Warrington, though, did they, in the Chris Hill testimonial? No, I'm not quite sure how many changes they made to that game. No, I, I'm not... Um... But yeah, they had a, a good showing against Saints, beating the, the, the current champions. Um, they brought in the, the, the likes of Ryan Brearley, who I think is he's one of them where I think he's a good player, but he just can't... It reminds me a bit of the Joe Greenwood thing where he just can't seem to keep a club, and I'm not really sure why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they. I, I think they'll... They'll go well, Lee, this, this season. I think they'll throw everything at everybody. So Difficult to say, obviously, with them whether they're, they're strong or weaker because they weren't in the league last year, so we can't really play that game with them. Certainly can with Wigan. Yeah, and I would have to say stronger. I would go weaker, personally. Would you? Yeah. I think they've lost. I think O'Loughlin will be a massive miss for them, even though you could argue that the number of games that he played... You, you you know wasn't as great as it as it has been, um, but I I think they've you know they've lost Burgess I think, and I look at the people they've brought in. I, I'm going to go weaker. I don't think they're uh, I don't think they're as strong. I think I might come to eat those words come the end of the season. On the pitch, will they get more out of Bateman than they would O'Loughlin? Definitely, long term, definitely over a full season, definitely. I mean, obviously, you can't. You can't say that they're not going to miss O'Loughlin's leadership because I think that's just so valuable to have. I think we saw a similar thing with James Graham and St. Ellen's, but I think in terms of actual performance, you're going to get tons more out of Bateman. Well, Tommy Lulewa is the new captain, isn't he, there now? Yeah, who again has been around the club, you know, on two different occasions, but he's been there a long, long time. He knows how 
the club works. So yeah. probably the best appointment that they could have chose. Yeah, particularly he's like a similar age to Stanley Jean. <laughs> yeah, he just seems to keep going, doesn't he? 104-year-old Tommy Lula. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, prediction for that one? Um, I think even though Wigan might be missing the likes of French and possibly they're talking about um, Hastings and Field as well, I think they'll probably t- be too strong for Lee, but I think not by that much. So I think maybe Wigan by eight. I'll go ten, same. But I think probably for them, and I don't want to try and be unkind to Lee because I hope they do really well this year, but probably with injuries, they probably couldn't have wished for too many better games to start off with if they've got a few injury problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Wakefield and Leeds are following that up. Um, Do you know, I looked at this game before and I thought, I'm really, really not sure what to expect from either of them. Mm. I think Wakefield will struggle this year. Yeah, right. They've, they've left a lot of players go. Uh, I think I think Wakefield will really struggle this year. Um, if I had to predict now, I'd predict they would be in the bottom two. Mm-hmm. Um, Leeds, to me, are just a, a complete unknown for the year. But, and somebody that we really, I've just realised, we should have put on our 10 signings, yeah. is obviously Kyle Eastman. Yeah, yeah. Not quite sure we missed him out. No, me neither, to be honest, but... Yeah, we've only got ten to, to. We only had a choice of ten. He's just missed out. But I'm not totally convinced how he's going to go. I'm not. I'm not sure where he's going to play. Um, but he's always, always struggled with injuries. Well, Jack Walker's out, isn't he, at yeah. fullback? So will he play at fullback or will he will he play in the half? Do you think that's the it's the plan? Because Robert Louis out as well, isn't he? Which might force the hand into playing him in the halves in this game. Possibly, because they they were playing Richie Myler at fullback, weren't they? We played he played fullback in uh Towns Cup final and got man of the match. So yeah. I don't see how you he was sort of getting momentum playing fullback, so I don't see how you can just all of a sudden shaft him for fullback because mm-hmm. Kyle Eastman's rocked up, so And Kyle Eastman's been out of rugby league now for is it about nine nine years? A little bit no, not that long, is it? It was about 2011 he left. It could have been then, yeah. It could be about nine years. Yeah. Um, left under a little bit of a cloud. Yes. St. Helens. Fell out with the, the club and the fans. and um, yeah. But it's good to see him back in the game. Yeah, it's always nice to to see familiar faces come back. And oh, For me, there's always... The only thing that's... The, I always... Even if you lose a player that you really like to the NRL or to another club... I always think it's. I always think that's much better than losing them to rugby union. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You, it's one of my not pet eight, but I just detest it when they leave to go to rugby union because I just think we're just far superior as a, a game. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's your prediction then? Um, I think Wakefield are going to really struggle, and I think if you look at the signings that Leeds have brought in, like. Yeah, you know, we we mentioned and they brought in a couple of props and that, aren't they? So, um, with Kyle Eastman as well, I think Leeds will probably win by fourteen. I think they'll win easy. I think they'll win twenty-two on the basis that I think Wakefield will struggle, and I think if Kyle Eastman plays, I think he will score. You're going to put money on it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next game again. I think could be a game of. Um, two of the strugglers, Catalan and Hulkayar. Yeah, Hulkayar seem to have recruited decently for me, but I think where they are as a whole, I think I think they will they'll be on about a par with with Catalan. I think come the end of the season, I think they'll just be above uh, Wakefield and Lee. So you don't see Hulkayar making the six? No, I think. If that's what Ron again, are we on six again this year? Yes. We've moved back to top six, have yeah, we? Yeah, they're doing the the win percentages as well, aren't they? They're doing top six, and yeah. yeah, they're doing top six because of the win percentages. Yeah, always a good idea when somebody can win it from sixth and have a league record of less than a fifty percent win rate. I think I don't see how you can Dear have a me. top six when you have a league of twelve. Absolutely, it's just uh, it's farcical for me. But that's another that's a debate for another day. <laughs> yeah, um, Catalan, I I think. I've looked at their ins and outs and thinking 
I don't see it with them. No. Mike McMeekin's a decent signing, I think. He he had a although his form did dip, I think, come his his, his last twelve months at Castleford. Um I think maybe he had an injury as well, but he is a he is a good player. And they've also got the added problem at the start of the season of the travel restrictions. Yeah. So, again, they're up against uh, probably a disadvantage to all the other teams as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes if you get into a downward spiral at the start, it's sometimes it's really difficult to get out of. And I think, you know, they've always struggled with their away form anyway, with the added stress and pressure of all the travel restrictions and things like that. They could find it real tough going. Um, and they had all that nonsense with Israel Falau, didn't they? That he, he, he just decided he wasn't going to turn up. Do you know what? I feel sorry for Catalan in that respect. That They always seem to get the short end of the straw, don't they? It's like the, um, they, have, they have a player who they rescue from not being able to play. Um, uh, I'm thinking Greg Bird. And then... And then, as soon as the as soon as that player then gets the green light to go back to the NRL, off they go again. Yeah, and I do feel sorry for Catalan in that respect. I do, and I'm I'm glad it's not paid off for him because he went to the Dragons and the Dragons were going to sign him. I think they received a lot of backlash from fans and media, and then they decided that they weren't going to do it. But they've given him that second chance and put a lot of trust in him, and he's just gone well, yeah. sodger. Well, talking of second chances... Oh, sorry, before we do that, a quick prediction? It could go either way, that, couldn't it? Um, I'm going to say the Catalan by eight. I'm going to go Hull KR by eight. And okay. stronger or weaker, both teams? Um, I think Hull KR stronger, Catalan weaker. Agree. Talking of second chances, we're going to move on to uh, an interesting game, Castleford and Warrington. And the second chance I'm referring to is probably for Gareth Widdop. That was strange, wasn't it? Yeah. If you're a Warrington fan, he's not going to fill you with a lot of confidence this season, I don't think. No, no. Um, particularly having, you know, that, that sort of thing over the pre-season of... Hello, who is it? It's Gareth. Can I come and play for you in our L team? No. Okay. Um... Uh, can you have me back, Warrington? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you're going to have to play better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, funny one. But we'll have to see how he goes over the next couple of weeks. I think, you know, he's probably, he might play the best rugby he's played in a long time, trying to prove to the NRL that look at what I can do. He's still worth a punt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Or he could sulk and be rubbish. Yeah, so. possibly. Interesting, I think, this as well, um, for the two coaches that both have announced they're in their final seasons with their respective clubs. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't say Powell to Warrington, I don't know what does, to be honest. <sighs> yeah. Um, always an interesting one when the, when the coach announces that he's going to go at the end of the season. I think there's always two possible reactions from players there. They want to send him out as a high, as uh, Wigan did with Sean Wayne. Yeah. Um, or, you, or as you've seen in football plenty of times, when somebody makes an announcement that they're leaving and the player's pretty much down tools and think, well, actually, I don't have to impress you anymore. I've got to impress the next guy. Yeah, as long as I train and play well for the next guy, I'm I'm, I'm okay, sorted, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm looking at for my next contract. Yeah. So why am I going to run through brick walls for you? Because you won't be here next season. Yeah. So it's an it's it's an interesting one. Um, not quite sure how that one goes. Whether whether or not Warrington, uh, they strike me as they what they strike me as a team that will want to send Steve Price out on a high. Yeah, I think especially because he's got them. He, he, well, he won them a Challenge Cup, and then he's got them close. Well, he's got them uh, and semi close. Yeah, and I think the perception with Daryl Powell is that he's probably always punched above his weight at Castleford. Yeah. With... And, and maybe he's after a new challenge that he thinks what he perceives is a bigger club. Yeah. And this is what I can do because he was unlucky when he uh, lost his job at Leeds. Um, and he's been 
he's, he's turned Castleford completely around in the last few years. Definitely. And uh, I think when you look at the players that they've lost as well, the job that he's done looks so much better. They lost uh, Denny Solomona, didn't he? He brought a tri-scoring record. They've lost people like Rangi Chase. Darren, Darryl Clark. Darryl Clark. Rangi Chase was in the in the Challenge Cup this weekend. Yeah. Playing for, was it West Wales with Gavin Henson? Yeah, that's a weird half-back combo, isn't it? Yeah, they still got smashed by Witness. Um, and they probably had a... They probably had a half-back combo, probably have a combined age of nearly 80, I would think. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's interesting that you just mentioned Rangi Chase. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah so the, I think it's a difficult one to predict this one, but I'm going to let you go first. I think even with no English, I think Warrington will probably run out winners, but I think it'll be tight, and I think Warrington 4. Uh, I'm going to go Warrington 10, but not with much confidence. Mm. Castleford, stronger or weaker? Or just the same? Maybe slightly stronger. And Warrington? Mm. It's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think it depends how Widdop goes, because your scrum half is so essential. And Austin as well, to be honest. Yeah, who didn't seem to be as good last season. First great. First season was, was brilliant. Um, played on the Great Britain tour, dropped a few balls on the wing, and he's never been the same since, has he? No, no. I th- but I think probably stronger. Okay. And then the other interesting match, I think the last one that we're going to look at briefly, um, Hull FC and Huddersfield. And again, interesting for the coach's point of view, two two brand new coaches. Yeah, Huddersfield obviously great appointment in Ian Watson. Um, the the whole one, a strange one with Brett Hodgson, obviously unknown to everybody as a coach. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how they goes. Hull again for me always fail to deliver, especially in the league. I always think they should be up there. Um only making the one signing as well, how much of a difference will he make? Not sure. Um Huddersfield again, I think have recruited really well with the the, the back row that we talked about before, and maybe having a, a, a better pack, and then behind if they set a platform for the likes of Caesar and Gaskell, they could be real dark horses throughout the season. Yeah, I mean the biggest compliment you can you can pay Ian Watson. I think if any team in Super League lost the coach and they said right, we're bringing Ian Watson in. I don't think there'd be many fans that, that would go, oh, oh, no, that doesn't fill me with excitement. No. And I think that's the biggest compliment you can probably pay him. I think his, his value is as high as it's ever been. Definitely. You know, and I know it's really unfair, but Brett Hodgson, I can never I can never think about Brett Hodgson, but despite everything he's done in the game, apart from that tackle off Gordon Tallis <laughs> when he got swung round about 50 times and got thrown into touch in the uh, origin. If you haven't seen it, Look it up on YouTube, Gordon Tallis on Brett Hodgson, because it's, it's just... Well, you, you get a penalty now, but it'd be fa- it was fantastic. It was great to see. Yeah, I just can't get past Brett Hodgson without thinking about that. <laughs> I know that's really unfair. Predictions for Hull and Huddersfield, then? Uh, I'm going to go with Huddersfield, because I think Huddersfield, ultimately, I think this season, and I'm going to throw it out there, at the end of the season, we'll finish second. Second? Second. Huddersfield. Huddersfield. Behind? St. Helens. Interesting. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few comments about that one. <laughs> You're stunned with that, aren't you? I've, I've, well, I didn't expect that. No, I think, they, I think they could be fantastic. I really do. I agree, but not second. Okay. Well, we'll see then, won't we? We'll, we'll revisit this one in like about September and then I'll, I'll just... Well, I'll get the sound we'll, clip. Yeah, and we'll just put that back on. Okay, then. All so, right. Huddersfield, bye... Eight. Eight. It'll be it'll be close because I think Hull will be. Um, they want to come at all guns blazing, and I think if Huddersfield can beat Hull, I think that'll set a really good marker for them for the season. Yeah, I agree. I think. I personally think Huddersfield might get off to a slower start than something, and I, with them only making the one sign in Hull, I think the players know each other and know how each other work. I think they might just edge this one. And I'm going to say Hull by six. Okay. 
I don't want to sound like Phil Clark and be controversial for the sake of it there, by the way, and others feel in second. I do actually think that. Well, we'll see then, won't we, Phil Clark? <laughs> okay. All right. So that's super that's the Super League preview for round one. And now it's time for this. It's Callum's red corner. Yeah, excited about this one. Just get to have a bit of a rant for a couple of minutes. So what's on your mind this week? Well, I saw something that really, really angered me. And that was the Women's Super League, the football, um, getting a deal with Sky and BBC. And it's worth £24 million over three years. So it's £8 million per season. And it wasn't so much the women's... I'm not going to go at women's football. Obviously, it's it's good that the women's sport is is on a rise. Yeah, hopefully we have got some female listeners. So uh, it's important to say that you're not you're not against women's sport. Are you? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm annoyed. It annoyed me because of all the nonsense that is going on with the Sky deal with Super League at the minute, and it's more um, of a dig at the RFL and Super League about how much of a balls up the making of it. You know, the the current deal, I think, which ends at the end of this season, it finishes in 2021, is £40 million um, per season. Um, and the new deal is to be rumoured between 28 and £30 million, and that's over three seasons. So between, you've got your 2022, 23, 24 seasons, and that is 28 30 million pound for that so let's just call it 30 that's 10 million pound per season for three seasons so are you telling me that we're only worth pretty much the same as women's super league we're not it's just it it infuriates me robert elstone one of his big things when he came in was to sort out the new tv deal and he's ended up resigning He's been a complete failure. If you look at the previous deals that we've had, we had the the Eddie Bo- Stobart with the trucks. They accepted less money for it because they thought they were going to get more exposure from it with the trucks. Did you see any of those trucks? Saw one John Wilkin one. That was it. And we did quite a lot of travelling. It was always on the motorway and things like that. I saw one John Wilkin truck. That was a disaster. Recently, with the Papa John stuff, Oh, we'll sponsor you. Oh, great. How much money are you going to give you? Oh, money? No, 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 no. We're just going to give you a pizza after the game, mate. I would imagine in football they have the Papa John's trophy, don't they? Yeah. For the uh, lower lower league clubs. I would imagine that they're on a better deal than... Yeah, they got stuff crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine they're on a better deal than, uh, than free pizza. They're not going to have done it for free, have they? It's ridiculous. You look at... Obviously, there was the big thing as well recently about BT coming in as well, trying to take it off Sky, but weren't really that bothered because they couldn't be bothered getting into a bidding war with Sky. Sky was like, we'll give you 30 million. BT were like, not really that bothered. But then you look at what they've done. They've just signed a new TV, BT, this is, with Rugby Union. They've signed a new three-year deal with the, the Premier, just the Premiership, none of the other stuff. A hundred and ten million pound over three years. So that doesn't include like the Six Nations and stuff like that. No, that's just the the, the Premiership stuff. A hundred and ten million pound over three years, and that's at a reduced rate because of the the impact of COVID. A Sky were on about coming in, but ended up pulling out because there wasn't sure how it was going to go with COVID and because there was no other offers on the table BT were like well we'll give you 110 million take it or leave it and they went yeah alright then I think if I remember rightly BT had resigned themselves to losing the contract hadn't they yeah they were they were preparing themselves for Sky to win that that bidding war and have a Sky Rugby Union channel or Sky Rugby channel that you know like the, the Sky Cricket Sky Football yeah, and all yeah. that they were going to do one of them but because Sky pulled out, BT were rubbing their hands going, oh, we can get this cheaper now. £110 million, and you're talking about us having a £30 million one. So what's the answer? Or is there one? I 
I'm not sure. I think maybe do we have a rebrand? Do we change from Super League? How long is it going to be if we carry on like this? How long is it going to be? So you go, oh, I watch Super League. And people turn around and go, what, women's football? No, no, we've been here since 1996, mate. Why should, but should it be us that have to rebrand? But we're not the only, I get that we're not the only Super League, but we should be the Super League. Well, fortunately, one of the things they've been guilty of, isn't it, is allowing Rugby Union to commandeer the word rugby. Yeah, because they wanted to try and coin Super League, didn't they? They wanted to try and go down the big Super League thing and all of a sudden we've lost the right to use the word rugby mm. without it being followed by league. So we think we may have to rebrand? I I think it's one of the best ways to go forward because I think it's like a fresh start. But because the big question for me is... Do we have until 2024 when Rugby Union's deal runs out with BT and Sky come in and take it over? So do we have till 2024 to save our game? Well, one of the things I did read was that if this reduced um, bid was accepted, then the lower league club championship and below wouldn't get any TV money and half the clubs could uh, therefore disappear. Yeah, you... There's no way that championship, the semi-professional ones, and even the, you know the lower than that, will survive, not getting any money. There's, it just won't going to happen. This could be. This is a real crucial time in our sport. It really is. And I think that's a good point to say. Um, at this point, to say. Over the next couple of weeks, we have got a special edition of the podcast yeah. coming up um, called The State of the Game, when we'll look at all these issues that, are, that, that concern us around rugby league, around rules, around the governance, around priorities. Um, and that should make for a... Uh, we've got a couple of special guests on there, and that should make um, for some fascinating listing, I think, that, uh, that concerned us all uh, who, love, who love the game. Yeah. Because we we don't want to lose this, we don't want to lose this game. Well, that was the red corner. So, thank you, Callum. That was um, a good start to the red corner, I think, and uh, we'll look forward to some more of that. Well, we'll look forward to next week because I don't know what you've got on the agenda for next week, but there'll be something. I've already got a season full of these. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's the end. Uh, we've come. We, that's the end of our podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening to our first, uh, our, our first effort. Hopefully you'll stay with us. Hopefully you'll have some comments. Please leave us a comment where you can find us, um, on Podbeam, or you can listen to us there. And you can find us on Twitter, uh, which we are at Loose Forward Pod. Is that right, Callum? Yeah, that's right, at Loose Forward Pod. Um, we'll be posting when the show goes out, and obviously it's a great way for people who, once we start gaining followers and listeners, what people want to hear, what they want to listen to talk about. But it's a great way for us to interact with people and, and, and find out ways to improve as well. So Yeah, absolutely. Please leave us a review on there. Um, big shout out this week to um, uh, Fans Forum, RL Fans. Yes. Uh, forum for allowing us to post news about the podcast on the um, uh, on the forums. So thank you. Thank you to RL Fans. Big thank you to Rob at uh, What Would Brian Bevan Say podcast. Yeah. Give them a listen. They'll be back very shortly with the, a new edition for their podcast who's been really supportive and kind words for us. Yeah, and, and finally, um, a big thank you to David Alderman, who did the music for us, the, the pod theme for us. So thank you, Dave. Yeah, our bespoke theme. Yeah. So finally, just to say, um, if you want to get involved, we will be looking for fans um, to get uh, to call during the show to give their opinions on their club and their news. And uh, if that's you... Get in touch with us on Twitter or just uh, send us a message and uh, we'll be glad to uh, have you on the have you on the uh, the pod. 
But thanks for listening. Edition one is over. And it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.